What's up, guys? It's Bradley with the Insurance Guys Podcast. Hey, look, recently I actually got two more days out of my month. If you know me and you know how tight my schedule is, me getting two more days is huge. And I'm going to tell you how I did that. I did that with CoverDesk. Guys, this is not a testimonial, even though they are a sponsor. It's not a testimonial. It's not a made-up story. This is a real-life story. Me as a new agency owner, obviously, my business organization chart, I fill 80% of the seats, right? Well, one of the things that I do because I wanted to make sure that my people get paid right is I reconcile all my commission statements for all my carriers. And literally, guys, when it comes around payroll time, it takes two whole days for me to reconcile for the agency and reconcile for my agents. And I recently trained my cover desk virtual assistant on how to reconcile the agency commissions for my management system, which I'll say is not a popular management system. It's a newer management system. And I was able to train her how to do that. Literally, guys and gals, it bought me two extra days in the month. I could get two more days of production, get two more days with my family. Think about what you could get from two days. That's what this service from CoverDesk has provided me. Give CoverDesk a call or head over to www.coverdesk.com. Thanks. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys Podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Scott, how are you today? I'm best I have ever been. Bradley Flowers, I do not have the Mickey Mantle gene. What's that? That's what I talked about last week on Troy Corsgarden's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, today I become the first United States citizen, the first American in the history of the United States of America to podcast live while having COVID-19. You're looking at him right here. I am positive for COVID-19. How many days positive are you? This would be day number four, and let me just say that I am humbled and honored to be the first American in the history of the United States to podcast live while he has COVID-19. I'm excited and proud to be here. It has been a, an experience that it's one of those strange things, man. Woke up Saturday morning. I was in a deer blind with my son trying to kill one of those big mossy oak deer we got over here. And nose started running and started having some upper respiratory stuff. That night, I started not being able to breathe a little bit real good. And I thought, you know, I'll just go get tested. You know, what's it going to hurt? Got up the next morning at 8 o'clock in the morning. Went and got a quick test. Quick, what do they call those? The... You know, rapid. boys that come back in like five minutes and sure, yeah, rapid test and uh, came back and sure enough, I had COVID-19. The thing about it is that I find to be odd is the people that find out that you have it, if they've had it, they want to tell you about their symptoms and what they went through. And I think everybody's a little different. I don't think anybody's the same, but. I had a Zoom call with someone from Salesforce this morning and, and he had it and he sounded way worse than you did. Mm. Um, and he was on day one. Not to make light of your situation, but hopefully we don't have to release this podcast posthumously. I think oh, it's wouldn't it be right. great? Hey, <laughs> hey, Bradley, you have my full my full authority to release this at my funeral if I do end up having to go to the hospital and just get put. Uh, don't room. even joke about that. Don't even but, joke about that. I would guess I joked about it. But yeah, it's not funny. It, it, it's not funny. It, I was I was genuinely it, saying. It, hopefully it. that doesn't happen. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to be here. We've got an exciting guest today that I've been wanting to have on this show for a long time. There's one thing I'm going to tell you guys about today's podcast that I can guarantee you, every one of you. Today's podcast is going to be one of those that you're going to turn off when it's finished, and there's going to be so much information that you're going to think about, ponder on. I think that it's going to be one of those that you're going to want to go back and listen to again. And I'm just excited to have him on the show today. And I, it's been a long time coming, over a year. 
So without further ado, I want to give him the introduction that he's always deserved. He is originally from Burbank, California, and resides in Irvine, California. He served in the United States Marine Corps, and he is married to the beautiful Christina, and they have five, count them, five beautiful babies, Nicole, Natalie, Leah, Lauren, and Nathan. Since 2007, he's been the agency owner of Great Park Insurance, where he's focused on agency culture, a serving attitude, and building a team of five-star recruits and first-team All-Americans. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the Insurance Guys podcast, Mr. Daniel Sung. How are you, Daniel? I'm doing great. Um, Thank you so much for having me on the show. And a quick little story. So when we were kids, when my dad used to come home from work every day, right when he enters that door, it didn't matter what you were doing. We would all come downstairs and greet him at the door. My kids do that today. When I come home, they, it doesn't matter what they're doing. They all come to me at the door and say, hi, daddy. I'm going to have my wife play that intro every <laughs> single time I come home. <laughs> well, Daniel, hey, it's funny that you bring that up because one of the focuses that I wanted to have on today's podcast was on kids, was on our kids and raising kids and talking about how maybe you and I grew up a little differently than kids grow up today. But a lot of the things I hear you say really resonate with me. And I want to commend you because you're one of those people that I follow in the shadows. And I never, never really say much to you. I don't talk to you a lot on social media, but I find you to be someone that I kind of look at and think to myself, there's the guy who knows who he is. He's a guy that I don't perceive as having a lot or a ton of insecurities. I guess it's through life experiences and the people that you surrounded yourself with, but I see you as somebody who seems to be very well grounded in who you are as a human being. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. That is probably one of the nicest compliments I have ever, ever received and it wasn't always like that, right? It wasn't always like that. <laughs> I'm 41 now. And as I've uh, gone throughout the years, but also, you know, just going through life, learning it on the street, being married, raising kids, it's been a humbling experience. And the best thing is, is I feel like I'm just getting started. I feel like I'm in year one of my business, of my family life. It's just going to get better from here. So thank you for that. Oh, no problem. Let's, I've got a lot to talk with you about today. Our mission on this podcast, Daniel every single week is to provide value and to help these insurance agencies move their agencies one step forward to greatness. And I want to do that for them today. And maybe as an ancillary to that today, we can help them move their family life one step forward to greatness. And if we can do that, hell to me, that means more than moving the agency one step forward. So I've got a lot I want to touch on with you, but before I do climbing my DeLorean, I've heard that you have a very unique story to tell relative to your life prior to getting into the insurance industry. Talk to us a little bit about that before we get in the meat potatoes of what I wanted to talk about today. Absolutely. So I'm born in 1979, South Korea, and uh, I, I grew up on a little pig farm, right? It was, a, it was a little village, but we didn't even have a bathroom. We had an outhouse, and our home was probably no bigger than my conference room right now. When we would wake up in the morning, we would fold the blankets, put it away, and that would become our breakfast room. And in the evening after dinner, we would fold up the table and that would become our bedroom. Came here in 1984, 1985, and I grew up in Burbank. And I just, I was never that school kid. You know, I I don't like school. I don't like studying, but I always wanted to be somebody. I had just this drive to always just want more. So my parents, you know, they immigrated here and they were trying to make a living. I have two older siblings, one younger brother. And right when we were in high school, uh, two of my sisters, they were in college at the same time. And my brother and I, we were thinking about college or junior college. And we said, you know what? There's just no way. We were a family of six living in a two bedroom apartment. Two of my sisters were on the bed. My brother and I, we were on the floor sitting right next to them. And we said, you know what? Let's go into the Marine Corps. So my brother and I, we decided to go. We signed up. My first duty station was Okinawa, Japan. After that, I came to Miramar and met my wife. She's not military, but that's where her family lived. And after a few years, I got discharged and I went to school. While I was in school, my wife and I, we said, you know what, let's, or my girlfriend at the time, we said, let's get married. 
and we got married and I became a man, right? Cause I'm married and I had to provide for my family. So while I was going to school, I started a part-time job at a mortgage company. Fantastic experience, knows, knowing nothing about nothing. I was on the phone within five minutes of getting that job and I was selling mortgages. I had a wonderful time, figured out I was pretty good at this thing. And so my wife and I, we opened our own little mortgage company. We had about 15 people on staff and we were, you know, we were making a good living, but not coming from money, not being educated about money, not knowing how to manage money. We were reckless. So back in 07, we lost everything, lost all of our homes, lost all of our cars. We moved around so much. I didn't really know what our address was. And at our lowest point in our life, I had $200 in my pocket. Uh, we had our fourth daughter. At that point, I made a decision to get into the insurance industry. And I didn't know what a cluster was. I, I didn't know a single soul in the insurance industry. So I started out with life insurance. A few years later, we went into PNC. But to build the agency, I worked two jobs during the day. I would work a graveyard shift at night. So I would come home after the PNC business. I would come home around six, eat dinner, take a nap. My wife would wake me up around 10 p.m. because I had to drive an hour to start my 11 o'clock shift at night. 11 to 7.30 a.m., I worked at a home alarm company. So if your alarm goes off in the middle of the night, you get a phone call, dispatch. So I got off at 7.30, drove home, took a shower, had breakfast, and I would go build the PNC book along with my other job. So after about four months of doing that, it, it, things got a little better. But with, I don't have a master's degree, or nor did I finish school. But those tough years of my life, I learned so much about who we were. And the proudest thing that I can ever say about those tough times is my wife and I, we cried every night. We prayed every night together. And I get emotional when I talk about it now. She has been my rock. She never made me feel bad. She never talked down to me. We were one unit. I read more books than I ever did in my life during that point. My car was a personal development you know, vehicle. Windshield University. Exactly, right? Exactly. But I could, I could tell you, you know, we planted our flag together and we made a decision. I wasn't making any money anyway, right? So we said, let's really start get after this thing. And I always tell this subway story, right? Because this is how bad it was. I had four kids. We, on a Friday night, we would go to the local mall out here. My kids were young, so they didn't know any, any different. But our Friday night dinner was a foot-long, $5 foot-long Subway sandwich. And we would cut that into quarters, four pieces. And my kids would have one each. And then we would let them run around in the grass area so they had a time of their life. But I always tell people this. I said, if I'm not going to feed my kids, who's going to? And the one thing that I always wanted to make sure, because I could lie to everybody else. Right? I could tell you that I'm working hard. I'm getting after it. I'm doing my best, Right. But the one person that you cannot lie from or you cannot run away from is that mirror. All I wanted to do was look in that mirror every single night and be proud of the person that I saw. And wherever we are today, wherever that may be, we came out of those tough times. But it's because we stuck together. And the proudest thing is, is that my relationship with my kids and my family got stronger through that. Thank you for sharing that story. That means a lot to me that you were able to share that with us today. And I think everybody listening to this can take something from that. But we have a lot of young agents that reach out to us that are about to go out on their own or they've been an employee agent and they're about to go start an independent agency. I don't know, Daniel, if there's anything more important when you're doing that than having a spouse that is supportive of what you're about to try to go accomplish. It's hard for them because maybe they don't understand how, how difficult this is about to be. Hell, for that matter, most of them don't understand how most of the people that call and email us don't really, I don't think, have a full understanding of how hard this is about to be, much, much less a spouse. But boy, I'm telling you. You're absolutely right. If you got somebody behind you, really beside you, that is supportive and believes in you enough to say, I, I know that for the next five years, we're going to eat shit, but you're going to do this. I don't know that there's any more important part of this equation than that. What are your thoughts, Daniel? I 100% agree. And she has humbled me so much. And there's one specific moment, and I see it in my mind's eye right now. There was a turning point in my life where, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a the welfare program out here. It's called WIC. And we were literally, it's food stamps. 
So we were on food stamps. My wife goes to the local grocery store and she's in line getting ready to pay for her food with the food stamps. There is cereal, milk, fruit for the kids. And she looks back behind her and she sees our friend. So she came home and told me this. And I said, God, please tell me you did not pay with the food stamps in front of her. She said, of course I did. And I got upset with her for a few days, right? And then she said to me, why would I be embarrassed of where we are today? It's where we are today. It's not where we're going to be. So she always had it in her mind that it was a moving train. And this is just a point in our life. So when I heard that, it really just helped me to understand that she believed 100%. Basically, she was saying, get your butt to work. Don't worry about what other people think. Get your butt to work. And I got to tell I hope for the people that's listening, right? My wife's dream when she was a kid, people would ask her, what do you want to do when you grow up? She said, I want to be a mommy. My whole focus in life was she's going to stay home and raise the kids. Now, that's not for everybody, but that's what she wanted to do, right? So I told her, I said, listen, when we were young, I was 24, she was 23 years old. None of our parents thought we were, this marriage was going to last probably, right? But I told her, follow me. I promise you, I will give you everything. All you got to do, just follow me, right? And that's my driving force every single day. I love coming out here every, I feel like I'm living my dream life. Why? Because I'm giving it all 100% every single day. And that's what we try to teach our kids, right? Not by the words that we say, but by the examples that we live by. But I get fired up. There is not another thing that I would be doing today. I love what I do. I love it every day. And I love building the team up. I love getting somebody from point A to point B, right? And a lot of that is leadership, right? But I just, maybe it's the core in me, right? But I get fired up. It's a stressful business. How often when you're dealing with difficult days, do you let your mind wander back to some of those harder times as a mechanism to infuse gratitude in your attitude in present day? Great question, Bradley. Man, every time I come home and I see those kids greet me at the door, it doesn't matter how tough my day was. It doesn't matter what I went through. It all just brings it back to this is why. You know? And now I work a lot. Now the first five years in the business, guys, I took seven days off. First five years in the business, seven days off, five of them were for Christmas right? My wife will go to church with our five kids. People thought she was a single mom raising five kids, right? Now, as a leader, right? I don't know if we can afford having tough days, right? And that's what I try to preach here at the office is that, hey, leadership is a gift, right? And a lot of times it's lonely at the top. And what I mean by that is I don't ever drag my butt in here all down. And, you know, so I, every time I'm, I'm like this in front of the team, right? Now, Do I have some tough days? Absolutely. But what do I do? I go home in my closet and I take care of it, right? And I have two seconds later, I come out and I'm pumped up again, right? And I tell everybody, I said, listen, if your bills don't go on vacation, you don't go on vacation, right? right? And especially this comes up around the holidays, right? People always say, well, December, it's the holidays, right? I tell them Christmas is one day, right? What are you going to do the rest of the 30 days? There's never any excuses, right? And I tell- In Alabama, every worker's comp policy in the state renews on the 1st of January. So December ain't a takeoff month if you're trying to write some business. Exactly, exactly. Let's talk about kids for a minute. So first Let's and foremost, it. the lessons that you and I have tried to instill in our kids. One thing I keep telling my son over and over and over and over again, and it's really starting to piss him off because I've really started doing it a lot lately, is how you do one thing is how you do everything. How you do one thing is how you do everything, whether that's cleaning his room, whether that's his homework, whether that's just anything that I have him do. Because I've noticed if I let him, and I think kids are, for the most part, kind of this way anyway, if you let them half-ass, they'll half-ass anything that you let them do. But one of the things that you said the other day on one of your videos on Facebook is you were talking about your kids And you started talking about having date night with your kids. And I want to talk a little bit about that because that was something that really resonated with me and something I want to try to instill, start doing here at our house. So talk a little bit about that, Daniel. You know, my wife, I mean, she's just amazing, right? So she said, so growing up or raising the kids, we're always going somewhere. It's always busy, right? I mean, the kids are just always being dragged around. So one day my wife said, you know what? The kids are getting older. Let's, we really do do need to connect with the kids. So she had this great idea of doing individual date nights. And I'm thinking individual date nights, we got five kids. What are you talking about? Right? What? So, but I thought it was a great idea. So 
every two weeks, one of us will take one of the kids on a special date. Now, because we started this so young with them, they really look forward to it. So last week, um, or actually a couple of weeks ago, I took my daughter out to dinner. Um, we just went shopping. You know, she needed a couple of sweaters. So we just, just me and her. Before that, my fourth daughter is playing tennis. So she went with mommy and she taught mommy how to play tennis for about an hour. And then they went to dinner. The one thing that we really realized was we don't know our kids. Even though we're with them every day, even though we live in the same house, we don't know our kids. And then it dawned on us. It was really interesting because they started sharing a lot more of what they're feeling. And we thought it was complete opposite. But once they started opening up, it was an aha moment for us. Right. So it has been a true blessing. Now we're all busy. So we put it in the calendar and say, you know what, we're going to, this round of date nights is activities or outdoor activities. So in a couple of weeks, my wife is taking one of our kids parasailing because they always wanted to do that. But it's just great memories with the kids. Now, my oldest one is 15 years old and she's a sophomore in high school. And I always think if I try to do it now when she's in high school, I think she would think it's a little weird or it'd be a lot awkward. But because she, we've done it her whole life, she talks to me about everything, even boys. And I said, honey, that's great. That's great. But we always want that open communication because I tell you what, I can't believe she's in high school. It goes by so fast. But the kids look forward to it. They look forward to it. Hey, Daniel, do you incorporate the date night with kids? Do you also do that with your wife too? Because I know you're like me and you're going a thousand miles an hour with your hair on fire. Is that something that you put a lot of priority into as well? This all started with the kids because my wife and I made a commitment to each other to do our date nights. Right. And the kids know that we look forward to our date nights. So my mom lives about 30 minutes away from us. So she'll come over for two, three nights at a time. And my wife and I, and she does that every two to three weeks. So we get a date night every couple of weeks. So absolutely. That's awesome. So guys, insurance agents from around the world, I'm going to tell you something. John Croyle has raised a lot of kids. Big Oak Ranch here in Alabama. He saved a lot of kids from being in sex slavery and things like that. He's done big and he's written a book. And one thing he always talks about in that book is until your kids are about 12 or 13 years old, it's all on you. They're going to listen to you and they've got to do what you want to do. And you're going to be the biggest influence in their life. And then when they turn about 13 or 14, for some even 12, then their friends start becoming a bigger influence on them than you are. And that's why I always tell you guys, if you want your kids to be good kids, make sure they're hanging out with good people. If you want your kids to be shitheads, let them hang out with shitheads. But once they turn about 18 years old, guys, they're adults and the game's over then. So we don't have an infinite amount of time to spend with them. And I think that resonated with me so much because sometimes I get so busy wrapped up with what I'm doing that I don't have, I don't spend that. And let's just call it what it is, Daniel. It's quality time, right? That's what it is. You know, you can pick, you can pick the kids up and they're on their phone or they're looking at something or whatever. And y'all are making some small talk, but you're not having that three or four hours of real quality time where you're having a conversation one-on-one. And I think what you guys have done at your house is by doing that, you've kind of opened up this line of communication that's really blossomed over time. And I commend you for that. Congratulations for figuring that out. Thank you. I think a lot of people wake up one day and the game's over. Kids 18 years old, walking across the stage for graduation, they're like, my God, what happened? And yeah. it's kind of sad. And, and every kind of parent says this. Yeah. Time really does go by. It really does. And before you know it, you know, you're right. They're, they're walking through that stage. Let's talk about agency culture for a minute. Let's give these guys some business stuff that they can sink their teeth into today. I see that you've put a lot of thought, time, and effort into your culture there. Tell us how you came up with what you felt like was the right agency culture for you. And then I want to deep dive into how you guys have come up with what your story is for your agency. You know, we talked about that this morning with Troy Korsgaden is you got to figure out what your story is. But before we get to that, let's talk agency culture for a minute. How'd you come up with yours? 
was it just something that just kind of blossomed over time or, or was it something that you put a lot of deep thought into? Yeah, you know, I think it's a little bit of both. I always wanted an environment where it was encouraging. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to half of their life almost is at the office. So I wanted them to come here and feel as if it was an extension of their home. And the team here is amazing. I mean, we just, we get along so well. Now, has it always been like that? Absolutely not. Are there people who come in and don't make it because they just don't fit with the culture? So what I do is I always think about the family first and then think about how is this new person gonna mesh with the family? But no, it's all built from the top, right? And that mesh just kind of goes down to the team. But I wanted a winning culture. That's very important to me. And we celebrate every single win. While I'm on the call with you guys, I probably heard the gong about six times, Mm. right? And every time we make a sale, every time we get a new review, we get a referral, we gong it. And it doesn't matter what you're doing, you stand up and you clap, right? But I just, I wanted a winning culture. I wanted everybody to be in a safe place where you can make mistakes. And I tell people when you come on board, hey, listen, I want you to make mistakes. I believe in mistakes, right? Because if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying. You're not trying new things. You're not getting after it, right? So with me, consistency is very important. Consistency. Scott Bradley, I am double dumb, right? But I'm just consistent, right? Right. So one of the things is we our office starts at 8.30. We get done at 5, right? There isn't, nobody is late everybody is early or on time, right? But also I tell them, listen, when it's five o'clock, go home, right? You're here to provide a living for your family. So at five, you don't need to be here until eight o'clock trying to impress me, right? Nothing's that important. We can wait till tomorrow. But at five o'clock, I tell them to go home. But it's just consistency and always putting them first before me, Mm. always putting them first. And I always think about with this decision, how does it affect them? And then just having no ego, being humble, and, you know, we use Slack in our office and we can make code names for our Slack name, right? And uh, my, my Slack name is Waterboy, right? Because I'm here to serve the team, right? I want my starters up in the front, right? It's all about them. When we have an appointment here in the office, we make that risk manager, account manager, whoever's appointment it is, we make them look like a superstar, right? So we'll pull them into the conference room. Whoever's appointment that is, their picture will be there big on the TV with all of our other teammates around them. We're highlighting them. Yesenia will come in and ask if they want coffee. Now, a couple weeks ago, she was sick, right? So I was here helping out. So I went to one of my guys. I said, hey, look, you know, they're here in the conference room. I told them, when you go in there, after in about five minutes, I'm going to come ask you if you want coffee. I said, please say yes. Right. So I, they're in the meeting. I knocked on the door. I said, John, would you like some coffee? He says, yes, I come in and I grab it and I, I'm serving him. Mm. Right. But then the prospect sees that. Right. But also, what does that do to the team member? Right. It makes them feel special. It makes them feel as if we're one team working together. So that's always been my goal. If you came into our office, guys, you wouldn't know who the owner was. Right. In fact, I'm the only one that doesn't have an office. Right. So it's uh, we're, we're in it together. Right. I've always told my team that I, I try my best to operate from a position of that. I work for them, not the other way around. Yeah. I had a team member come on Monday and she sent me an email or text message last Friday. She gave you COVID the first thing she did. Yeah, no doubt. She sends me this text message. She's like something about, thank you for the opportunity. I really looking forward to working for you. And I said, what? you're not working for me. I say that to them all the time when they say something like that. Well, you got to remember, you're not working for me. That's not how this goes. I think I have a lot of the same values and thought process that Daniel does as it relates to employees. And I don't even call my employees employees. I call them team members or business partners or things like that. But Daniel, I think some of that maybe have rubbed off on you and I in the Marine Corps. You think the Marine Corps had some effect on us relative to, as it relates to the lessons and the teachings of the Marine Corps doctrine? I really do. Looking back at it, Scott, I mean, the Marine Corps, I tell everybody, the Marine Corps was one of the best things that I did in my life. It taught me discipline focus, and I'm talking laser focus, right? Like the the lighting in this room is very dull, right? But I'm talking laser focus. It taught me to never make an excuse, 
Right. right? You never make an excuse for, for something that didn't go your way. Right. We are in total control of our life and the outcome of our life. But and I was never I, I didn't get into trouble as a kid. But I think the Marine Corps just gave me a, the, the Marine Corps. Actually, it gave me a clear picture of what hard work and commitment is. Right. Hard work and commitment. So I run with it. Right. I, I don't look right. I don't look left. I put my head down and just run. But the Marine Corps absolutely shaped me. And it helped me to achieve a lot of the things that I wouldn't have achieved without it. But in life, it's just, it's a wonderful lesson. It's a wonderful experience for people. Now in Korea, I don't know if you guys knew this, it is required two years of service. So every male has to do two years of service in, in, in South Korea. So it's compulsory down there. Yeah. Hmm. Let me use a quote that I heard off of your Facebook page. Your words whisper at me. Your actions scream at me. Yes, sir. And I'm going to say this about leadership and about team members. You know, when you've been doing this a long time, no matter what occupation you're in, you can kind of tell when somebody's all talk and no cattle. And we have people occasionally come into our agency that do a whole lot of talking and then they get in there. And that kind of goes back to my thing about you can kind of tell what kind of employee you're going to have or team member you're going to have after about 90 days. Because anybody can fake the funk sure. for 90 days. What, what is it you say that happens after 90 days? The crazy comes out. They let the freak flag fly. They let the freak flag fly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, 90 days, you know, whether it's a girlfriend or boyfriend, team member, they can all keep it all together for about 90 days. And then at about the 90-day mark, the wagon wheels start falling off. But that was something I heard on your page, and it's it's always resonated with me that, there's a whole lot of people that want to do a whole lot of talking, but there ain't a whole lot of folks want to do a whole lot of doing. Right. The, the actions quote is just so, it, it, it's true in so many areas of life and business. And then you talk about people doing a lot of talking and not a lot of doing. I, we've had, we've had folks in here that have worked for us that I had one, one in particular that's no longer here that would try whatever possible to brown nose or, Hey, look what I did or, or, this and the, the only way to impress me is actions there you go that's it and i know that some of the team listens to it's like literally that's it show me what you do yeah yeah well i i agree right and i think sports and sales right being in sales is such a it tells so much about you right but i believe in any organization salespeople are king and queens right nothing happens until they uh, the sale is made but sales is such a mental battle Right. Growing an agency, working on the marriage, raising kids, just, it's all a mental battle. And I always tell people, you know, you can get excited for a day or two or three. Right. Or, or even 30 days. I think even 90 days is tough. Right. But the true winners. Right. And the true people who are sincerely wanting it for themselves or their family will stay focused for five plus 10 years, 30 years. Right. But everybody could fake it for a day or two or three. But. Uh, I 100% agree with you. And I, I really do think that it's easy to, but this is, you're going to love this. I always tell people time is going to either expose you or promote you. And that's exactly what that is. Absolutely. Daniel, I want to, I want to say one thing here and then I want to get into getting to know your people on a real level. And I got a story to tell you. So yesterday, my business partner, Clint Orr called me. And for one hour, we had a discussion about our insecurities as human beings with each other. It wasn't a business talk. It was a life talk. And there was some things that had kind of happened and been said that I'd kind of brought to his attention relative to his psychology and the way he thought about things. And that led to this conversation. But I've heard you say before, you've got to get to know your people and you've got to connect with them on a personal level. And the reason for that, and I talk about it all the time on this podcast, is in my agency, we're in a constant rotating Ferris wheel of this person's mom has cancer. Scott's got COVID. This person's brother-in-law just had a bad car wreck and may die. And 
I want to talk a little bit about that and getting to know people. I want to, I tell all my people, you call my agency right now, 256-444-2041. Call them right now. I tell all of them I love them. I tell them that all the time. They know that I love them. I texted Harley Self last night. I said, 10 o'clock at night. I'm at home with COVID-19. I said, how's your, how's your great-grandfather doing? I know he's in the hospital with COVID. Talk a little bit about how important it is to get to know your people on that personal. I'm not talking about personal level. I'm talking about personal, personal level. Right. On a much deeper level, and it's, it's so important. A lot of times when people come on board, they're a little weirded out by it, right? And it's not something, I don't want people to listen to this and think it happens right away. That bond is established through years and years, right? But what where it really benefited us is when things aren't going right. So, but let me backtrack. So, so um, outside of the office, I have dinner one-on-one with the staff. And sometimes we go as a group, but we do a lot of outdoor activities, right? But it's so nice to get to know them because usually from eight to five, we're just talking business. Right? And we'll have a few breaks here and there talking about life, but I don't get to connect with them on a one-on-one level, find out how their marriage is doing, how their kids are doing. You know, um, We talk about, we, we even talk business still. We talk about our goals, if we're tra- on track. What it really allows me to do is to have that tough conversation with them when I know that they're not giving me their all. When they're half-fasting it or when they're, when they're giving 60%, when I know that they can give a little bit more. So I've had some tough conversations and we literally have cried together in the office, right? But they know where it's coming from. They know where it's, it's coming from a good place, a mm. place where I care, where I love them. So the response that I get is so warm and it's never defensive because of that relationship. Now, there's some people where if I had that kind of a talk in the very beginning, because the relationship isn't built or cemented, it'd be a little weird, right? So all the team members are different, but I think it's important to always start that relationship because there are gonna be tough times. There's gonna be deaths in the family, car crashes, there's gonna be some divorces, and that's where they really lean on you. And they, you know, a lot of times they, they wanna see how you react. What's your advice? And that one little word that you tell them changes their life forever, yep. right? So it's so crucial. And I always tell everybody, leadership is a gift. It's a burden and a gift at the same time. And you have to respect it, right? And you have to, you have to step up to that challenge because not only do you affect your family, but you affect other people's families. So, but that's one thing I love about our agency is because we're a close-knit group here. We spend a lot of time with each other outside the office. One of the most blessing things is I, right around Christmas time, I found out that the team, after our holiday party, they all went to one of the team members' house and continue the party. <laughs> and hearing that, I was like, I wasn't invited, right? But, right. but hearing that made me so happy. I'm so happy because they naturally, genuinely enjoy each other's time. I think it's important, too, as a leader to, to have those one-on-one conversations with your team so that there's a comfortability level where if there is something wrong, whether it's external or internal, they feel comfortable enough to come to you and say, hey, this is a problem. You know, because I know me in the past, I've had those bosses that were sort of shut off and you didn't feel comfortable going to them with, hey, this is an issue. And what happens in those situations, like everybody knows, they don't address it. It ends up festering up and you have one or two blow ups, either two people in the office clash. There's a, an ENO issue, something of that nature, or somebody leaves. And I think that, like you said, those little moments, those little statements, those little, you are appreciated. You're doing a great job here. What's going on in your life can lead to such a good place for your organization and for your, the lives of your people. And like you said, I mean, they're going to spend half their lives or more than half their lives at your company it might as well be enjoyable. Absolutely. I was going to say your story that you just told about the after party Christmas party that you didn't get invited to tells me that you do a very good job of loving your people up, being there for them, 
providing leadership for them and, and truly being a friend and someone that they can lean on and talk to. But at the same time, there's something, and I think this goes back to the Marine Corps again, where you still have enough authority that they know that, hey, this probably isn't something we need to invite the, you know where I'm going with this? Yes, because I've got I a lot of agents that get so friendly with their staff that they lose that thing that the person, the team member still goes, oh, that's the boss. A lot, a lot of people lose that. They go so far on the friendship scale that, and you can do that, right? Well, a perfect example is at church, right? We can have a, a church group get together, but really when the pastor leaves, that's really when it starts. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. But So I, yeah. I agree with you 100%. I, and and I yeah, always try it's, to- it, It's a fine line. It, exactly. But there's only one boss here. There's only one right, right agency owner or the leader. So you can't ever, you can't ever get your, let yourself get caught up in that, right? And one of the things is we want to be our kids' friends. But I tell them, I'm your dad. And you only have one dad in this world. And I'm it, right? So there's always a fine line. But also that fine line is determined by the leader. And I'm going to say this to all these agents listening to this right now. That line, you'll know you've crossed over it. If you do go out with your team members and you do something that's is not going to ever be forgotten about, i.e. getting so drunk that you pass out or, you know, have sex with another team, you know, person on your, those, those are things that it's almost going to be impossible to ever recover from. So you always have to remember that if you're going out with your team and y'all are going to have dinner two drink limit limit for you, regardless, you've got to keep that level of professionalism, even though these are friends and these are people that truly are your family, but they're also kind of like your kids. And you mentioned it earlier, being daddy or the preacher, you, you can't take it to that next level with them. And I think that's something that I've always thought a lot about and tried my dead level best to not allowed to ever happen in front of any of my team members. And I think that's something everybody needs to do. And also what helps me is uh, people always ask me, man, why do you wear a tie every day? <laughs> you know, and I, I got to tell you, Bradley Scott, you know, when I go home, man, the first thing that comes off is my pants. You know, <laughs> sure. I'm in my underwear just in the house, right? Cause I love being comfortable. I love being in my basketball shorts, my t-shirt, you know, but the reason why I wear a suit every day is because it lets me know it's game time, right? right? It, it, it brings me back, right? This is a but place. Putting your jersey a, on. It, it's a professional place. You got to tell yourself you are, you're here, right? Mm. So that's what we don't do. My skinny jeans do the same thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> that just works for me, right? But then, you know, so in the office, we have Mondays and Tuesdays as professional dress and then Wednesdays and Thursdays, we can wear anything that's agency branded. And then on, on Fridays, we wear civvies, you know, whatever we want, right? So we have a good mix, but I typically wear a tie pretty much four days out of the week. I have this weird habit, Daniel, and you just reminded me of it, where no matter what I'm wearing during the workday, and this goes back to when I was in school. So I went to a school that required uniforms in an area that traditionally does not require school uniforms. And they were these, actually the shirts were this color, like a dark burgundy, like burlap feeling with the khaki pants that were overstarched. It had to be tucked in. You had to have a belt on, all that stuff. And as soon as I got home from school, I took those clothes off and changed. And I still do that to this day. It's almost like <laughs> getting the work off of you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, let's change out of these clothes up and get some fresh clothes on. So anyway, I don't know. I just yeah. felt like sharing that. Share <laughs> beer. Jocko Willick always says, first rule of going home after work is you need to take your uniform off when you walk in the door. Yeah, it's the first way that you can mentally switch over from work to home and have a different attitude and those types of things. Second thing I'll say, going back to professionalism, there are a lot of people out there listening to this right now, whether it was their upbringing whether it's insecurities from a previous life that they had, if you're one of those people 
that feels like psychologically that you sell better when you're dressed like a professional, that you've got a tie on, you've got a suit on. Psychologically, you feel smarter. You feel more empowered. You need to be putting a damn suit and tie on every day. Right. Right? And there are a lot of people listening to this right now that may be that way. And some people, wow, that's crazy. You're still the same person. No, you're not. No, you're not. Not psychologically. If you have insecurities from a past life where you were poor, you grew up in a trailer, a Scotty Sanderson Home Center, Hamilton, Alabama, if you need double wide. <laughs> if you grow up poor inside joke. and you need a suit and tie on or to dress business casual or you need a $300 pair of shoes on and that helps you sell more insurance policies, you better be out getting you a bunch of that. Because whatever it takes to get you in that frame of mind is where you got to be. Daniel, would you like to expand or Bradley? I do. And, and another great example, I had a producer where they were working from home. And for whatever reason, their numbers were just not hitting it. You know, they were not achieving their goals working from home. So we made one little switch, one little change. They're in the office now. And guess what? The numbers skyrocketed. So for whatever reason, whatever reason, their mindset just wasn't the same working from home and working in an office, right? And I can go into all the little things why, right? But some people perform very well at home or wherever you are, right? But then you have some people who just get in a different mindset and a different zone when they're in the office amongst the other agents, right? Um, and they can listen to the other person's phone calls, right? They, they feel a little bit more professional or they're actually working. At home, for a lot of people, it, it's too easy to turn on the TV and sit on the couch, right? So 100% agree with you. Also, Scott, I have a question here for you. Go ahead. Do you still wear shirt stays? Uh, no, because you can't find them anymore, or I probably would. I, I have a hard time. I've actually looked for those, and I couldn't find them. I'm sure they're probably sold on Amazon somewhere. You know what? Don't even worry about it. I got you. I, I have. I still to this day wear shirt stays. Yeah, yeah. I, I love a shirt stay. I, what, hey, what is that? So a shirt stay is you. You know how when you lift up your arms and your shirt's tucked in, it's all tucks out. Uh-huh. A shirt stay. You hook it on the bottom of your shirt, and then there's on the other end you hook it to your socks. So even mm. if you do this, you lift up your arms, the shirt still t- gets stays tucked in. So when I when I wear a suit which is occasionally if we're meeting with a you know big client or something of that nature. Or, but back when I used to wear suits, I used to wear a suit every day. It used to, that used to drive me insane when my shirt came untucked. I had a little bit of a muffin top anyway, so it always like exacerbates it, you know? Mm-hmm. And there is a product that is a, uh, it looks like a, imagine a ping pong ball cut in half. And then there's a flat piece that goes on the, the flat part and it's got a magnet and the round part is rubber and you hook it on the bottom your of your belt. shirt and it just clips on oh. the thing goes right under your belt line. And it keep, I never bought them, but I saw those. Yeah. Shirt stays are not that important as much as, as important for Daniel, but when you're built like the Grinch, like <laughs> I am, and I, you know, I'm six foot three, I've got a long torso too. So regardless of where I buy my shirts, most of them aren't long enough anyway. So shirt stays yeah. are like a godsend for stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, Daniel, I want to shut this thing down in a minute. But before I do, I want to ask you a question. I want to give these agents a visual of your office in terms of how you have your agency set up over there. I know, if I'm not mistaken, your majority personal lines, correct? We are majority. Okay. Yes. So if I walk in the front door of your agency and I, I feel like I've been to your agency, I would love to visit next time I come out to California, I'll come up there and visit with you. But, and, and I feel like I've been there because I've seen the, the end, so much of the inside of your agency and all of your people on Facebook, two monitors you've got there in the conference room with you, the yeah. orange color scheme, but how is the agency set up from a staffing perspective? Like how do you have every agent has a mirror account manager? Or how's it set up that way in the, in the agency if I walk through it? So we have two uh, personal lines risk managers. We have two commercial lines risk managers. And we have two 
CSRs, and we have two um, hybrid commercial and personal lines risk managers. And we have Yesenia, who's the agency manager. Okay. Now, for us, sales is sales and service is service. Right. So if our risk manager sells a policy, uh, and we transition them out in about 90 days with, um, with communication, but about after 90 days from the buying date, they go ahead and switch over to the account or the account managers. But that's typically how we have it set up. We have two full-time account managers where they will take care of the servicing and everything else. And then our uh, Yesenia, who's our agency manager, she kind of steps in with assisting with a lot of the things that's day-to-day. Do you ever have an issue with a risk manager that does not want to turn over the relationship and the account to the account manager? I've had some where the clients hold on a little bit longer, but the risk managers are very happy to let them go to their account managers. <laughs> As Scott is over here coughing up blood in the video. That's okay. So have you gotten big enough, Daniel, yet? Have you hired a full-time CFO or full-time marketing team for social media yet? How, how are you with those two, those two aspects? I, we have not. Oh, and also we have two full-time VAs. Last year, I made a huge commitment to really turn our agency around and really get heavy into automation. So everything we do is based on automation. Right. But no, we, we do not have a CFO. And then also the marketing is, we don't use HubSpot or any of these scheduled posting platforms. Right. So all the marketing is done here in-house. The team does help out, but my finger is the one that posts every single post that comes through. Have you, uh, you guys use Infusionsoft, correct? We use Infusionsoft, yes. Yeah, we use Infusionsoft and for our phone system, we use TurboDial and we use Slack for our internal messaging. What was that transition like getting your team to sort of buy in? Because I know Infusionsoft can be an overhaul. Bradley, I tell you what, we went from hard phones. I mean, our life flipped upside down in 24 hours and three days into this new system, the team calls me into the conference room and I thought there was going to be a riot. I thought there were going to be vault, but just a couple of days later, I mean, now we can't imagine life without it. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. And we would never go back, but yeah. we absolutely love it. And the thing that I love about it is it's, we're always tweaking. We're always working. It's a lot of fun because we'll tweak this one little campaign and we just see this big win that comes out of it. So it is so much fun. But with Infusionsoft, right, you have to build it from scratch. Mm -hmm. So four months of my life, I was just on Zoom with our developer, just building out every single email, every single text messages, every single piece of communication. But it's really fun, too, at the same time. And it's really rewarding to see it work. What I found you have to do on those, uh, anytime there's a, there, there's a technology change, no matter, no matter the company, no matter how big or how small, there's always going to be growing pains sure. and the, the team members usually are the ones that wave the white flag first. And what I tell people when we change technology, we're getting ready to change phone systems here literally in the next couple of days, you have to hold on right past the suck. Yeah. It's going to get really, 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 really bad. You're going to want to pull the plug or pull the rip cord and then you're going to start getting used to it. Then you're not going to want to go back. Right. 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 One out of every hundred times is there something that you should probably go back to. You know what I mean? And, and that sounds like that was the case with you guys. It was. And, and you're, you nailed it right on the spot, Bradley, because I told them, listen, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse before it gets better. You know, and we still haven't learned it completely. So we're always making changes. But that's, that's what's great about it, too. Hey, Daniel, what are you guys using for your AGM? A, what's that? AMS? Well, your agency management system. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're using, right now we're on AMS 360. The contract okay. is up here in August, I believe. So we are considering something else. Gotcha. But yeah. Gotcha. Right now we're on AMS 360. I like the way you said that very eloquently. We're yes. considering something else. <laughs> Do you have required training every year for your agency team members in terms of we're going to get better this year at what we do between commercial and personal lines. And then on top of that, do you have any kind of, because you're kind of like me, you're, you're a buy self motivation or motivation books and things like that. Do you have things that you require them to do or read throughout the year? 
any courses they take? I don't. I don't. We have weekly meetings and we have monthly meetings, and then we'll have some carriers come in. But our weekly meetings, we, we have a lot of meat in our weekly meetings where we go through a lot. Uh, we go through you know, what's upcoming, what's working, what isn't. I don't put any reading requirements because I always felt that if I did, they would push back or they, they wouldn't enjoy it. Right. So what, what like I I'm doing this to, because I have to. Right. But if you look in our conference room, there's books everywhere. John Maxwell, there's um, just all type of leadership and motivational books, self-help. I listen to podcasts. I just put it on my phone. I just leave it on my desk. So if they walk by, we also have collages. Each team member did a collage and they're, it's, they're assigned that week. It's kind of like their dream board. And uh, that week they share their dream board. All right. But so we, we do little things like that, but no official, official training outside of the office. Gotcha. Well, man, I, I really appreciate you being on the show today. If there's one, go ahead. I have, I have bad news. What's that? It's no inauguration day. Uh, Donald Trump did not pardon Joe Exotic, so we're not going to be able to interview Joe Exotic. <laughs> oh, man. I told Scott last night, if Joe Exotic got pardoned, I was going to try to get him as a podcast guest. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. Um, I do also want to say publicly, for the record, in front of God, Country, Daniel Song, and the Insurance Guys podcast listeners, that now, you know, February the 5th will have been one year since I've seen you in person. <laughs> Now that you have gotten COVID-19 and you're going to have the antibodies, we have to do a podcasting session in person. We owe it to the world. It's got to happen. So just putting that out there. I appreciate that, Brad. I look forward to seeing you, brother. I miss you. I miss you. I miss, I miss, miss you too. seeing you in person and getting to spend time together. And I don't know. It's uh, It's been a long year, but it's, uh, hey, it's 2021. We've got a vaccine. It's time to move on, right? It's time to move on. But Daniel, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you being on the show today, brother. You, you are a very special person. You know, I, I hope that one day I get a chance to spend more time with you and get to know you on a more personal level, because I can tell you're a very special person. And God knows I would hate to have to run up against you selling against you. Cause I bet you can sell these shit out of some insurance. <laughs> Woo. I am humbled. Every one of my family members know that I'm on the podcast today because I told them. And you, I want to say this publicly, your podcast was the first one, first podcast I ever listened to. And I was so pumped up and I got so much out of your podcast that I went back all the way from the first episode and caught up. Yeah. And you're yeah. doing a great thing for the industry. And I know it's tough. It's, it's not easy to consistently do the schedule, research, connect, edit. It's a lot harder than people think. Exactly. So thank you for all that you do, because I have learned so much from what you guys are doing there for the industry. So thank you. We, we do appreciate that. But at the same time, I don't want to sound egotistical by saying it's a lot harder because it's a lot of fun. We get a lot out of it. But it's, it's the guests. It's not us. Right, Scott? I mean, the guests are the rock stars. 100%. Hey, tell your family I said hello. When I come, when I come out there, I want to meet them. I want to meet your kids, wife, the family. I want to meet all of them. I'd love to do that. That would mean a lot to me to get a chance to do that. And I really appreciate you saying all that. But guys, listen to me. We all need some Daniel Sung in our life. And if the next time you get down and things aren't looking good and you got COVID and things are sideways in your life, I encourage you to go friend request him on Facebook and follow him. And Daniel, I'll encourage you to keep keep putting out positive vibe videos on Facebook because God knows we all need it right now. Go find him on Facebook and watch a little bit of what he puts out. He's got a, a way of putting out positive vibes that I love. And, and uh, I just appreciate him being on the show that, so much. And remember this, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today and go build relationships in your community You'll make money for your family, for your wife and your husband and your kids' college fund and your parents who are struggling out there and go be a better insurance agent this week and go make a change in your community and make a change in this country. And we love each one of you and we appreciate how much you uh, 
mean to all of us. And thank you so much for being a part of this show every day. Bradley Flowers, I love you too, brother. And I'll see you back next week. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of The Insurance Guys. Take care.